Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, welcome to another edition of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. We're glad you're with us around the state this afternoon, whatever station you're tuned in on, or of course, maybe uh, Super Talk Hattiesburg, Super Talk Laurel.com, uh, Super Talk Southwest Mississippi.com, or whether you join us later in the day on a podcast. Glad to have you on board. Opening segment of the show. Sponsored as it is every day by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of Southern Miss, great supporters of the Eagle Hour, and a great place for you to enjoy a meal with your family any night of the week or cater your upcoming holiday event. Be sure you give Dickie's a call. Broadcasting from the Southern Bank Corps studio here in Hattiesburg, glad to announce that the Southern Bank Corps has re-upped as next year's studio sponsor as well. So uh, we thank them as well for their support of our show and, of course, for all they do for Southern Miss Athletics. Luke Johnson will be joining us later in the show. Bob and Kelly from the uh, Southern Bank Course Studio here in Hattiesburg. Delighted to have head football coach Will Hall back on the show. All right, coach, it's all over. It sure did go by fast. I think it's true when you're having fun, uh, things go by quickly. But it's gone now, but seven wins, bowl championship, win over the American Athletic Conference Championship team, a top 20 Five team at the end of the year, all in your second year. Take a deep breath, Coach. Look back and uh, and let's talk about uh, your evaluation of year two. Yeah, you know, I mean, Bob. You know, like I've said many times, we played thirteen games and twelve of them were really close. We were able to win seven of them. You know, we did not we did not play well in one of them. Uh, we were embarrassed about that. Uh, generally, every football team has a game where they don't play well. We want to get to where. We're good enough to overcome that, uh, you know, man. But we could have won a few more. We certainly could have lost a few more, and that's just kind of where we're at as a program in year two, building this thing back. We're really young, you know. We had a seventy seventy something freshmen and sophomores, and uh, we, we 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 played extremely well in the kicking game all year long. We had some moments where we were dominant on defense, and uh, and we got better offensively throughout the year, and, uh, you know, I thought the last two games of the year, you really kind of saw our offense starting to take shape with what Coach Greg and I have done in our past. We averaged nine yards of play in the bowl game and seven yards of play in the last game of the year, and I think the future is very bright. We've recruited really well. Uh, we're, we're in the middle of, of what's going to be another unbelievable recruiting class, and I think we've now got a foundation laid that we can build off of and start really building this program back 
to competing for championships again. And, and uh, man, we're excited about what we've done. It's not been easy in any way, shape, or form. And uh, what, what, what the fans and what you guys see on Saturdays and how hard it is and what a grind it is for those 60 minutes in a game, well, that's everyday life for us as a coaching staff, too, as we've gotten this program back. Every day has been an absolute all-out grind to, to dig ourselves out of this hole in just two short years. and uh, But we're excited about where we're headed and the future's bright. All right, Coach, tomorrow is signing day, early signing day. And I know you can't talk specifically about any not, – in- not, 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 early, not early signing day, Bob, my, just yeah, signing yeah, day. Yeah, my Fe- signing yeah, day. Fe- Fe- right. February is late signing Correct. day. Correct. Uh, signing no, day. you're right. <laughs> you're right. And, uh, but you can't talk specifically about players – but obviously social media indicates that you're expecting a couple of quarterbacks to come through the transfer portal. And in general, to the degree you can talk, tell us what areas you think signing day will help bolster for your squad. Yeah, you know, so first off, you know, for us, when we got here, we, we were, you know, in the 60s in scholarship numbers. And we could only sign 13 kids because of the rules at that time. And uh, we only had one scholarship quarterback on the roster, but we had many needs to fill. So we kind of slowly but surely uh, addressed all issues throughout the team with the numbers we had. And then this last class we're able to, to, to make it even better. And now this class, we feel like depth-wise, will be complete everywhere. Uh, we expect to bring in four quarterbacks tomorrow, two high school and two transfers. Uh, so we'll finally have that room complete, like a real college program, if you will, uh, I know a lot of people probably thought I should have done that earlier, but guys, I mean, we didn't have enough players to field a team at a lot of other positions either, you know, so it's, it, we've had to spread that out, if you will. And again, it's not been fun and it's, it's not always been, uh, easy. But, uh, you know, other areas where we, we lost, uh, two senior inside backers, so we expect to bring in some transfers right there. We lost five senior defensive backs, so we expect to send, bring in some transfers there. The portal's always been good to us on the D-line. We expect to have help there. And you'll see a good mix of high school and transfers at all our positions, which is kind of what we've come to do here. You know, we're in a great recruiting location where transfers want to come home and also where we're able to attract a lot of good high school talent. On the O-line, we expect to sign four again. Uh, we finally built that room back up to a to a college football level. We got, you know, you saw the improvement in our O-line, drastic improvement from year one to year two, and also improvement throughout the year on our O-line. We really finished really well running the football in the last two games. Credit to Sam Gregg, you know, for all that. And uh, I I think this this class will really, really, you know, tie the two ends of the string together and, and allow us to start really competing at a high level within our conference. Coach, there are some guys who have year a year of eligibility left that haven't necessarily declared whether they will or will not be back. Can you take us through that uh, chronology as to when you would like them to tell you or what what effect will that have in your decision-making going forward? Yeah, so it just kind of depends on the kid. Uh, most of them we have a general idea and know. We always plan – as if they're not going to be there. And then if they are, then that's just kind of icing on the cake and they're coming back because uh, the rosters are very flexible now anyway, you know, with the portal and everything that goes on. So uh, m- most of our guys, we, kn- we know what's going to happen. But, man, today's day and age, you never truly know about anything. You know, and you have to operate accordingly. You have to project. And you have to always be ready 
for anything. We're blessed here to where we've got a great culture. You guys know that. You're around all the time. Lance Encore and Mitch Williams, brother Mitch Williams, do a phenomenal job of projecting my mission onto these kids. We treat everybody the right way. We live by the golden rule in this program. So we don't have a lot of guys leaving that are getting on the field. Most of our guys that leave are actually guys, as y'all know, that, that aren't getting to play. And we certainly encourage those guys to do that as well because everybody wants to play in college football. And if you're not playing here, there's people in front of you. I've got no problem with them getting in the portal and going somewhere else. Shoot, I did that as a player. You know, I was a transfer that went to go play. So it's, it's understandable. Coach, do you anticipate losing any of your colleagues on the coaching staff that might be on to, to uh, you know, more lucrative ventures? Do you anticipate any of that? Right now, Kelly, it's not, but you never know. Right. You know what I mean? This yeah. day and age, you never know. It's a moving deal. You know, uh, Rebecca Hall has told me she's staying. I'm pretty fired up about that. And, uh, you know, so, so uh, that, that's, that's been my, my big one. You know, coming off another hard season, she's, uh, she, she, she's fired up and all in for the future. So that, that's been a great, a great deal to go ahead and seal up right here. Well, we all know that if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no doubt. That, no that doubt. was probably the most important signing of the year. Is that fair to say, Cody? <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> Coach, evaluate your first year in uh, in the Sun Belt. What, what did you see? Was there anything you saw in Sun Belt play that may have surprised you, or you didn't expect to see? You know, I think I think uh, I don't know if it was a surprise as much as I think it was a surprise to everybody, our fans and stuff. The competition wasn't a surprise, but the type of competition from the standpoint of the Sun Belt, particularly the Sun Belt West has become just a big-time defense-dominant league, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're really good on defense. Troy's really good. South Al's really good. Texas State was very formidable. You know, Louisiana Lafayette's been uh, great on defense. So, you know, our the defense is in this league. And then when you go over the other side, you know, uh, Coastal, Georgia State, man, out state, James Madison Marshalls was phenomenal on defense this year. So I think we play a different brand of football in this league that's not common throughout college football. And it's probably just this part of the country, right? They play defense in the SEC as well. And in other parts of the country, Pac-12, Big 12, those areas of the country, you see a little more offense. And so uh, there were some great, you know, highly ranked top 30 defenses in the country. I think we ended up playing about five or six of them. And uh, so, so that was uh, I think that was something that our fans might not have known was coming. Can you take us, Coach Hall, through? Okay. Let's, let's hold that, Coach. We've got okay. about fifteen seconds uh-huh. left of the break. We're talking to head football coach Will Hall. He's going to stick around another segment with us, Coach. Is that good? Oh, oh yeah, I'm ready. Baby. All right, good deal, Coach Hall. Got to come back after the break. Very short break. Talking to head football coach Will Hall. You're listening to the Super Talk Eagle Hour. We'll be right back. Right after this.
Southern Miss to the top. All right, welcome back to the Super Talk Eagle Hour. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. We've got head football coach Will Hall on the show. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Still time to do some Christmas shopping with Miss Kathleen, and uh, she'll be down there, I'm sure, seven days a week. You can also shop online at CampusBookmart.net. All right, Coach, uh, lots more to ask you about. Uh, before we move on past the ball game, I, I did want to make one observation and get your thoughts about it. Uh, kudos, obviously, uh, to Frank Gore, who broke all kinds of uh, NCAA and school records for rushing, was electric uh, in the defensive backfield, uh, juking players, outrunning players, really a lot of fun to watch. But I don't, I don't want to overlook how well the offensive line played. And those were kids that – just took all kinds of heat last year. I thought got better every week as the year went on, and I thought by the end of the season that the the kids on your offensive line were really playing very well. I really appreciate you saying that, Bob, you know, because those kids did take a lot of heat. They took it personal. Uh, we didn't have enough offensive linemen last year. When we got here, we recruited as many as we could with limited numbers that we could sign, and then we, we really went after a bunch of them last year. And we're going to do that again. Then we brought in Sam Gregg. They got better as the year went on. What really solidified us was the Coastal Carolina game. When we got Bryce Ramsey, he finally learned the offense completely, and he started starting at center, which allowed us to put Bryce and Mays at left tackle. And it really just gave us five guys that knew what they were doing. It really started working together as one. Uh, Sam did a great job with them. Caden Cochran, our tight ends coach, falls in that in that group too. And you saw the last two games, we really ran the football at a high level like we've done in our past everywhere we've been. It was really explosive. I mean, shoot, we had over 550 yards in that bowl game, averaged nine yards a play. And the and Monroe, we averaged over seven yards a play. So we improved offensively, I think, 46 spots in the national yards per play average from last year to this year. So we were we were drastically improved offensively from last year to this year. I think you'll see another jump from this year to next year to where we'll we'll start being one of the top offenses in the country, you know, year in, year out as we continue to shore up this roster. But credit to Coach Greg with an assist from Coach Cochran and the tight ends, and Frank would tell you that too. Now, once Frank got into the secondary, he was dynamic, making people miss. No but Frank will tell you, man, he was able to hit those holes with without stuttering and hit them with speed. Which makes you even harder to tackle, and and you don't you don't think of wide receivers as having blocking assignments, but but you even talked about how the wide receivers laid blocks exactly when they were supposed to lay the block. No doubt, and Desmond Lindsay really preaches that every day. Our wide receivers are tough, man. One of those long runs Frank had to make it fourteen to nothing. Jason Brownlee, if you'll go back and watch it, is cracking the safety right as uh, Gore's running through the right B gap, just perfectly timed. And uh, it, it was it was really fun to watch our kids playing hard and executing, and uh, it was it was a uh, it was some good stuff. You mentioned uh, earlier, Coach, that that signing day is tomorrow. Back in the old days, signing day usually was that first Wednesday in February, and then a late late signing day, you know, later on. But they moved the whole calendar up. Are you in favor of this earlier as opposed to the later in the old days? Definitely in favor of it. Definitely in favor of it. I think it's one of the greatest things the NCAA has done. Uh, because think about it, Kelly. If, if you and a if you and a woman are committed to each other and you want to get married, you ought to better get married. You shouldn't have to wait. And and in the old days, a kid was committed right now before Christmas, 
he couldn't get married to. You had to wait all the way to February, and then you had to deal with other people coming in and trying to mess with them through your Christmas and New Year's holidays. So to me, you know, it allows kids to go ahead and sign and get it over with. And and the people that aren't sure about themselves, they wait to February. But I think something like 88% of all Division One signees the last two years have signed in December. So de- December is signing day. February is late signing day. We we typically sign all our kids in December. We very rarely sign a kid in February over the last four years here at it too much. Well, for the record, any woman that would be with me would need to be committed, but to an ins- asylum, I think, rather than. Yeah, that's not, not, not a good analogy, center and women, yeah. uh, Coach. I'll just gonna go ahead and tell you that. Coach, can you take us through the calendar now, that the after signing day tomorrow, what you and the coaches will be up to until till the summer when we reconvene for the real deal? Yeah, so it's a dead period in recruiting. We will be recruiting portal kids that haven't committed and new portal kids that get in the portal between uh, now and then. It reopens on January the 4th. So on January 4th through January 8th, we'll be having portal kids uh, visit campus. School starts on January the 19th, and we'll be off and running with our off-season program. We're going to start spring ball. And uh, we're going to start spring ball in late February. We'll wrap it around spring break. We'll finish with the spring game uh, around April. And, uh, man, you know, that's it. We're just, you know, constantly recruiting. We'll start after we get done. There'll be another portal period open up in April, you know, where we'll probably have some kids leave and we'll probably have some kids uh, that we recruit and uh, evaluating high school kids and developing our program. And, and implementing the culture with the newcomers and continuing to build, man. It never stops. We're really, really looking forward to year three. Uh, that's kind of the year we targeted since we got here uh, because we knew we were so depleted, you know, in every facet from roster to academics, just to overall culture, that it was just going to take a while to fix it all and do it the right way. And uh, a little different than some builds you'll see. You know, every, every situation is different, but this one was, uh, this was a total reconstruction. I'm proud of what we've done. I'm proud of the support we've gotten from the administration. And I'm really, really excited about where we're headed. Coach, some of the so-called experts say that this year was an example of you being ahead of schedule in rebuilding the program. What do, what do you say about that? I think we're ahead of schedule academically and ahead of schedule culture-wise. You know, we've had three of the greatest, three the three top semesters academically in school history for football. We've had 13 kids get baptized since we've gotten here. We've done all types of great community service with the veterans home uh, Christmas yesterday for, for the cops. I mean, like, we've, we've done all, our kids have done so many unbelievable things. So we're ahead of schedule with how we change the overall feeling when you come around our kids and our program. I think you two talk about that all the time, yeah. the feeling you get when you're around our program. Uh, as far as on the field, I think we're ahead of schedule with the type of defensive talent we're able to accumulate early on. Uh, I, I think we were we made a huge jump offensively this year, jumping 46 spots, like I said, in yards per play. Uh, we were just really behind the eight ball offensively with what we inherited with all the different offensive coordinator changes they had here in the previous years before we got here. So there's been times where we haven't looked good. We've gotten better. Uh, I would like to have won another game or two. Everybody would have, but you know, it just didn't happen. And, and so I do feel good about 
the foundation we've poured and that we're sitting on right here as we talk today. Academically, we're we're outstanding. Culture-wise, we're outstanding. Uh, we got a great group of quarterbacks coming in in this recruiting class. We've got some young quarterbacks on our team that have talent. Uh, our offensive line and lines of scrimmage on both sides are really, really top-notch for the group of five level with what we've got coming back and what we got coming in. And we're always going to have skill kids here. I mean, we're in Hattiesburg. So I think we're able to get off and running now. You know, it is year three for us, but in some ways it's almost like year two because year one we were playing with a shell of a football program. And I don't want to make excuses, but uh, the, the facts are the facts, you know, and, and it is what it is. Right. All right, Coach, just about a minute left. Bit of a buzz at the basketball game Sunday afternoon when you come onto the floor and you're sitting there with the great Jeff Bauer. Can you share for our listeners at all what you two men were talking about? You know, man, one of the one of the great blessings of being the coach here is is I've gotten to to become a friend of, with one of my heroes, and and he is uh, he's just been a great resource for me. He really supports me. I think he really believes in how we're building this program. I think it looks very familiar to him in a lot of ways. And he's just been a great resource. And, and I, I was down there sitting with Joe Paul, who's also a great American, as we all know. And, and then I saw Coach Bauer over there and got to sit with him. And it was fitting that I had the old Jeff Bauer sweatshirt on. You did. You sure did. You know, and, uh, <laughs> but no, I love Coach Bauer, man. I just have so much respect for him and how he did it here. And I think he really, really enjoys how we're doing it. And I, and I appreciate his friendship and I'm excited. I'm excited that he's excited about Southern Miss football again and feels a part. He comes to practice, brings his grandson, and, uh, man, we love him. Well, Coach, I want to say thank you, really sincerely thank you for how open and accessible you've been to this show all year long. You made all your kids accessible to us at practice, and it was a great pleasure getting to know a bunch of those kids. And uh, So we want to thank you. We want to say Merry Christmas to you and your family, and congratulations to you, Coach, on a great second year. Thank you guys so much, Bob and Kelly. I really appreciate uh, everything y'all do for us. And, uh, man, uh, their good times are coming, and I'm excited about the future. All right, Coach. Thanks again. Coach Will Hall, everybody, head football coach at Southern Miss. Great second year by any evaluation. Kelly. And to finish the season with, with not just the bowl win, but the, the Louisiana Monroe win to become bowl eligible. And then right. to end the – man, it – Everything is coming up roses right no now. Question. All right, Luke Johnson will analyze what Coach had to say. He'll join us next on the Eagle Hour. To the top. All right, we want to thank head football coach Will Hall for joining us in the first half hour of the show. And everything we said to him, we meant. He's been 1,000% accessible to us since the day he came here, made the team accessible to Kelly and I all year as we would go out on Tuesdays and uh, 
gather interviews, and it was delightful, wasn't it, Kelly? I mean, the time around the kids, I, I'm so glad that we invested some time doing that. And, and look, there was a rough patch there toward the end of the year, you know, with the Georgia State game that he won't even mention by by name, but that right. was the one where we just didn't didn't play well at all. But there was kind of a rough patch there, but he still didn't shy away from questions. No, he did not. All right, 4th Street Bar and Grill sponsors this segment of the Eagle Hour, and we're glad they do. We love 4th Street Bar and Grill, and we think you will, too. They have great lunches five days a week. It's a great atmosphere at night. If you like sports, the big games are always on the TVs, and there's a pool and darts and memorabilia. It's just always a good time for Southern Miss folks at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Luke Johnson now joins us from Laurel. I want to get Luke's comments on coaches' uh, thoughts. And then I can't wait to tell you all about the first collegiate baseball poll I don't know what's sweeter, where Southern Miss is ranked or maybe where some of the other schools are ranked. But we'll, we'll get to that uh, in just a moment. But first, uh, Luke, your thoughts about uh, what we heard from Coach Hall. I guess the first most important thing is kind of where he, where he finished, talking about Coach Bauer and why you know he feels that Coach Bauer is such a – so, so supportive, and, and I think the emphasis on culture, that, that's the point. It's not so much that Southern Miss needed a, a new culture. They just needed to return back to what the culture was. Um, when Coach Bauer was there, I think one of the years that I graduated, or one of the years I was there, we had a 94% graduation rate. We were like fourth or fifth in the country behind like Boston College and Duke and in these places that, that really churn them out. And there we were. Um, there was an emphasis on integrity and, and coach coach's recruiting philosophy, Coach Bowers' recruiting philosophy was he might sometimes even take a chance on a guy because he felt that there were, you know, such, uh, you know, dudes on the inside that could get a guy right. Um, whereas many times a day we, we see talent emphasized over character. Um, and, and I think what Will Hall is able to do is, He's been able to, to bring those those types in, um, and that's what he wants to do in the future. Culture is so important. You can have all the talent in the world, and you can just waste it with bad decisions and, and never, ever see the field. Um, I, I, am, I am thankful for that. I do think tomorrow there's going to be some names that pop up, guys that will contribute immediately. Um, some of these portal guys, and, and we can talk more about that. A couple more names in the portal have, have popped up and even last night. So – um, I think people are going to be proud as they start reading about some of these commits tomorrow. They're going to be impressed with what they've done. Luke, did you get the impression that defensively he's really happy where the team is right now and, and offensively he's getting there day by day, that they're right on the cusp of exactly where he wants the offense to be as well? Yeah, I mean, you look at the last two games, he told us, what, a couple weeks ago that they kind of felt, you know, uh, able to expand the playbook in the Monroe game. And that's what you saw the other night. I mean, you know, Lowe's a game manager. That's what he is. And yet, you know, the two two uh, explosive plays, you had Frank's runs in there. I mean, there were more explosive plays in those last two games than there were in several games this year. I do feel like he feels really, really, really good about the front seven on the on the defense. But, I mean, you're losing a whole bunch on the back, the back end. Right. You got some young talent, got some JUCO guys. But, I mean, I'll just bring him up. Um, this guy that, that committed last night, he's going to be in the transfer portal. Colby Cage, 6'1". Uh, he's coming transferring from Arizona. He'll play immediately. Um, he, he came out of Holy Cross School in New Orleans. 
Um, I think he's got three years left to play, and uh, he's a safety out of high school, but he'll transition to linebacker. And then, you know, what we talked about yesterday, got to wait to see whether what Hobbes does, but you know you got Bozeman and, and Maples coming back, and basically the entire front uh, minus Quiwan is, is going to return. Yeah, he told us uh, four quarterbacks, two high school, two transfers, uh, is what he feels like uh, he will uh, have uh, in the quarterback room next year. So what does that say about the quarterbacks that are on the roster now, Luke? So, yeah, tomorrow you should have the Gonzalez kid out of Texas, Crawford kid out of uh, out of Tuscaloosa. People need to look up Ethan Crawford. I mean, this is a guy that's dual threat. He's got tons. He had tons of offers, and we expect him to commit tomorrow. Edwards and Wiles out of the portal. I, I think I, I, if you're bringing in four scholarship quarterbacks, and that's what we assume that these guys are going to be scholarships, especially the freshmen, or uh, at least one of the freshmen. But you you got to think there's going to be at least one person that moves on. Could be T. Webb. Uh, could be uh, you know Trey Lowe. Um, you don't know you know what's going through Tykes or, or Zach Wilkie's mind right now either. I I don't I just don't think that you know you'll look up and and you'll have six scholarship quarterbacks. Uh, I, I think somebody will will decide to you know to move on with their career. Um, the fact that they're bringing in four, and we'll wait and see tomorrow, you know, and, and learn about how many of your scholarships. But I, I don't I don't think that room can have that much influx without somebody you know choosing to go a different direction. Right. Also, uh, coach indicated that. Some of these kids, uh, like Malik Shorts and some others who do have more eligibility left but are technically seniors, I guess you would say, uh, nothing to really say right now, but I, that'll all play itself out, I, I think, in the, in the next week or two. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, let's talk for just a minute about baseball. The uh, collegiate baseball preseason poll has come out, and the Golden Eagles are ranked 18th. Uh, in the first preseason poll, 18th nationally, of course. They finished 15th at the conclusion of last year, got as high as number eight on April 25th. They were the eighth-ranked team in the country, 47 wins, 19 uh, losses, and obviously uh, they won the Conference USA Championship. They won the regional championship over LSU and hosted the Super Regional. So uh, Scott Berry enters his 14th season. This team has firmly established self clearly as a top 25 baseball program, but uh, they finished again uh, 15th in the country, start the season 18th. Luke, there are two schools up north that have good baseball programs, but ironically, where are they ranked in the poll? I mean, if if you're talking about Vanderbilt, that's north. They're ninth. Uh, If you're talking about, uh, let's see, who else? Gonzaga's way north. They're 38. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure which northern teams you're talking about, Bob. It would be the uh, the two directional schools up in the north part of Mississippi. Okay, so the Mississippi State Bulldogs are twenty second, and the defending uh, national champions, the University of Mississippi Oxford, they would be ranked twenty four. So what you're saying is that Southern Miss is the highest ranked baseball school in the state in the first major preseason poll. Look, is that I hear that correctly? Uh, that, that's that's correct. Uh, we we have uh, I'm looking at it right now, and and that is correct. Should, with a grain of salt, I should mention, collegiate baseball is, is not like D1 where you have, you know, you know four or five guys deciding on this. It's mainly the work of one guy. But, hey, Taylor hey. Hall by this publication yesterday named first-team All-American. Christopher Sargent named 
uh, third-team All-American. I'll take it. I like it. I'll take it all the time. Go through that one more time. Well, how are the three schools ranked, Luke? Southern Miss, 18th. Mississippi State, 22nd. Ole Miss, 24th. I mean, it's just subjectively. It's kind of surprising Ole Miss is uh, is below, you know, State. Uh, right. Gonzalez and some of those guys coming back. But, yeah, I mean, and, and just – for, again, we'll have this conversation a million times in the spring. But how cool is it to live in a state when all three of your major universities are in the first top twenty-five preseason poll? Well, I mean, we're, just, we're yeah, we're, we're obviously having a little fun with this, but but that is pretty significant. And and I, I got to tell you, I am a bit surprised that Ole Miss could win the national championship and be ranked so low. Did they lose that much off of last year's team, Luke? They lost some. I mean, they lost some pitching and. Uh, some some of their hitting, but uh, we we should mention we, LSU number one in this poll, Florida number two, Stanford number three, Texas A and M number four, Tennessee number five. Again, I mean it, it is a uh, you know it's a, it's a noted poll and publication collegiate baseball, but it's mainly you know the work of, of one guy behind the scenes. But no, no. Golden Eagles, I expect though when you start seeing Baseball America. And and D one Golden Eagles will definitely be in the top twenty five. Yeah, and LSU's ranked number one. Is that correct? Yes. That is the team, am I correct in my memory, that Southern Miss eliminated from the regionals last year? Yeah, and you can actually find, uh, you know, edited uh, videos where they they got their boombox jumping up and down, yeah, and the Southern Miss yeah. fight song is actually playing over yeah, that boombox. I, I am shameless, I'll admit it. Uh, hey, and if it's based on recent history, that team from Oxford won it last year, the team from Starkville won it the we year know before. We going to win it this year, don't Would we? it not be natural for the Golden Eagles to win the national championship? The trifecta. Yeah, there what you go. you're trying to say. State of Mississippi checking in. Poking a little fun, but all three great baseball programs. Very proud to see all three Division one programs uh, from the Magnolia State in the first top twenty. And I would say Scott Barry's pulling his hair out right now. We know that's not possible, but that's he's going. We haven't even played a game yet, and, and they're, they're running all- their mouths already. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he's used to us. <laughs> we'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. I want to thank D1 and D-Bat for their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. There's still time to get a great gift certificate from either institution. Uh, D-Bat has a great pro shop with a lot of gift ideas. If you've got a baseball or softball player on your list, from bats to gloves to uh, workout clothes, uh, Great place to do some last-minute Christmas shopping. D1 and D-Bat on Hardy Street. And, you know, Bob, over the Christmas holiday, of course, what do, what do all parents hear the kids say? I'm bored. I'm right. bored. I want some. Well, they're going to be having all kinds of camps. 
and stuff at D1 for softball and baseball players, too. You know, half-day camps, full-day camps. Anyway, you can find all that information where they can learn and be out of the house and be active doing something at the same time. And all through the holidays, all the way through New Year's, a Mobay Beignet be a great place for you to stop and enjoy some delicious beignets. Great dessert treat. Got great coffees, both hot and cold, and uh, they're located on Hardy Street as well. All the cool stuff seems like it's located on Hardy Street. Mobay Beignet, the official beignet store of the Super Talk Eagle Hour, and we are glad to say that they're going to be with us in the new year. All right, Luke Johnson uh, rejoins the Eagle Hour. He's in beautiful Laurel this afternoon. Luke, what uh, you've got some bold thoughts for us. Yeah, uh, thinking about uh, you know the, the last bowl game, defeating Rice 38-24. Just looking back, we didn't talk about it leading up to the bowl game. But, you know, just thinking about the 27 bowls the Eagles have played in, uh, none of us, obviously, were at the first four because they occurred between 1952 and 1957. Uh, but you guys off air, you know, we were talking about the 1980 Independence Bowl, how important that was. And then even though we lost the Tangerine Bowl in 81, those were really important in, in Southern Miss. Those are before my time, but you guys uh, talked about the importance of that. Yeah, the, uh, the Independence Bowl was when Bobby Collins first brought the team to prominence. And it was the first bowl game in many, many years the Eagles had played in. McNeese State, Reggie Collier told us it was the most physical football game he ever played in. That's saying something because he played against some great programs. Uh, and it was a huge, huge win. It's It was the day of Eagle Fever. And uh, Eagle Fever was a really magical time uh, in Hattiesburg and South Mississippi. And that was the culmination of what, began a tremendous run by Bobby Collins, uh, and so that was a very important moment. So yeah, it, it put Southern Miss on the map, football-wise. Right. I mean, they had some good players individually here and there, right. but collectively as a team. And you can still see, Bob, if you look real closely at d- different vintage places around town, there will be some Eagle Fever signs and yeah. see an Eagle it Fever was a great, t-shirt great every once in a while. No but cold, right? Even- <laughs> it was unbelievably. It was unbelievably cold. And uh, and then uh, the other bowl game that uh, that and this is the one was really cold is what Luke mentioned was the Tangerine Bowl that was in Orlando Florida that was when uh, Reggie Collier was the quarterback and uh, the Golden Eagles had made it all the way into the top ten lost had, we lost that game had gone late late into the year before they lost they lost to Louisville I think they were nine zero and one when they lost to Louisville uh, and they go to they go to Orlando. We all piled up. Uh, we went and bought Florida shirts and all this stuff. We were just, man, we were so fired up about going. Got down there. It was about five degrees that night. And uh, our kids were not prepared, as the fans were not prepared, for the type of bitter cold weather there was. And, and unfortunately, we lost a close game to Missouri. How long did it take the Etzel to get down there? To, to... Not, well, you know, it could go 50, 55 miles an hour. <laughs> okay. uh, we had a great time, man. We were in Orlando the night before the game. And downtown was rocking with golden eagle fans let me tell you golden eagle fans they're fanatics now they were fanatics then no question about it but i just go ahead that game actually was the fourth largest crowd of a southern miss bowl game and it was only only one of four that was actually over fifty thousand people the night the 81 tangerine bowl yep i i still don't i just don't think that any eagle team they would be hard pressed to play collectively as well as the way they beat the dog snot out of Pitt in 97 when Lee Roberts well, was there. Yeah. Probably the best team ever, yeah. I'm, that I'm, was uh, – that game, if you go back and watch, 
That is one of the funnest games to watch defensively. This is the old John Thompson. They're prowling around pre-snap. Marchant's in the middle, destroying people. I do want to mention the, the first one that I ever went to. I remember the 88 Independence Bowl. I remember going to bed, looking at, as, a, as like a five-year-old, looking at the final score. We had won, and, but then two years later, Favre's last game, Coach Bowers' first game as head coach, my mom and dad took me to Birmingham for the All-American Bowl. We lost that one. Um, but, yeah, Kelly, to your point, the uh, man, that, that 98 was, was incredible. The, the 99 Liberty Bowl is actually the, the largest uh, crowd of any Southern Miss Bowl game, 56,000 there. And then uh, the game that I played in, the 2003 Liberty Bowl against Utah, we dropped that one, but almost 56,000. But I guess in, in recent times, to me, in the last uh, several years, it was fun to watch uh, the 2006 GMAC Bowl, Damian Fletcher, Went off in that one. And then to cap off and get 12 wins out in Hawaii. Of course, we had to watch that one, but uh, that was a fun team to watch as well. Yeah, that second Liberty Bowl was against Colorado State. Am I right about that, Luke? That's right. Yeah, Colorado State. Coached by Earl Bruce, if I'm not mistaken, former Ohio State and coach. Can we say that the most historic moment happened at the 2022 Lending Tree Bowl when Frank Gore Jr. set a school record and an FBS bowl record? Amen. Can't argue with that. That wraps up this edition of the Eagle Hour. We're glad you're with us today. We hope you'll join us tomorrow. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Talk Mississippi Media Production.